Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, kinfolk? Welcome to the number one ranked show sponsored by DirecTV Stream. I'm your host, RJ Young. I am not on a step mill. Thank you for watching on the Fox Sports app, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, or listening wherever you get your podcast. And if you are watching on YouTube, do me a favor, hit that like and subscribe button. But today, we got to talk about what we thought we knew from Saturday night holding true on Sunday afternoon as the College Football Playoff Selection Committee ranked the top six teams. I want to go one through four, with number one being Alabama to start. And I think this didn't shock us after what was so shocking on Saturday afternoon. We had a Georgia defense that had been destroying people, had absolutely been wrecking shop, allowing just over six points per game. Alabama said, we don't even need the starting center. We don't even need John Mechie for the second half. It can be the Bryce Young and Jamison Williams show, and we will put up 41 on the team that we called generational in talent and in prestige. This is the Georgia defense that has 11 guys that could all play in the NFL and all be drafted. And yet, Alabama showed up and was not scared in Georgia's backyard once again for the SEC championship game at Mercedes-Benz. My goodness, Bryce Young won the Heisman Trophy last night. I had been stumping for Jordan Davis all year long. Many of you knew that, but it felt like as we got closer to this pageant contest that is the Heisman Trophy, we were going to crown a running back. We were going to crown a quarterback. And then We saw Bryce Young go at this Georgia defense like nobody has gone at this Georgia defense all season long. We saw Jamison Williams absolutely not fly, but soar past that Georgia secondary to win the SEC championship game. And so the more things change, the more they stay the same. Alabama and Nick Saban have two games to win to defend their 2020 national championship game. Now, There are those of y'all that have some Texas A&M fans in your life that are probably going to try to claim a national championship off of having beat the number one team in the country as we head into the bowl season and college football playoff. But look, I'm not going to say that wasn't a great win for them. I also am going to add they lost four games. Now, at number two, the shocker of this group, the Michigan Wolverines. As you can see, I'm in Indianapolis where – They had the Big Ten Championship game, and Michigan was dominant in. And yet, if things fall for Michigan and they play the kind of football they've been playing for the last three weeks, they could be right back here 
playing in the national championship game at Lucas Oil Stadium. I'm at this game watching it with Braylon Edwards, with, my goodness, Devin Gardner, my man Jeff Schwartz, Big E came through, and all we could do was marvel at just how dominant Michigan was in their 42-3 drubbing of Iowa. This is after stopping a mud hole in Ohio State at the big house. We saw one of the great tailbacks in all of college football and Son Haskins break a school record in the Big Ten Championship game. He's got 20 rushing touchdowns. The record had been 18 and had been held by Ron Johnson since 1968. But in this magic season, a player that Jim Harbaugh told me at Big Ten Media Days was his favorite comes on strong. Now, if you're watching this game, it looked a little messy at times, but it also reminded me so much of what Big Ten football is. At halftime, running back Donovan Edwards had thrown a touchdown pass off of a trick play, goes for 75 yards. Kay McNamara, the quarterback at Michigan, had made 18 attempts and thrown for just 62 yards. It was defense. It was dominant. It was running the ball and mashing on an Iowa team whose entire identity is built on mashing other teams, leaning on them, and playing outstanding defense, even as they had an interception that they could not capitalize on because Aiden Hutchinson, David Ajabo, Dax Hill were all so great on defense. And you could see just how elated Jim Harbaugh, his players, but those fans were to finally have ended their drought. It is their first outright Big Ten championship since 2003, back when my man's Braylon Edwards was still rocking the go blue, and I heard it all night long. The, the more that this game went on, the more it felt like Michigan fans were showing up to a coronation, to an announcement that, yes, they have returned to playing the kind of football that we had come to know from Michigan since, what, 97, 98? And then we're talking about in the late 80s how great that program was. Jim Harbaugh accepted the challenge and, more importantly, was given the time to build the program in his image so that they could do what they hadn't done before, win a Big Ten championship game and make the college football playoff for the first time in their history. The thing that I find most remarkable about this team, though, is the idea of 2%, right? I heard the players chanting this on their way out, meaning that they had a 2% chance by some people's predictions to make the college football playoff. They are the first team to begin the season unranked and end in the college football playoff in its eight years of being the way in which we choose a national champion. I'm so happy for Michigan fans who have waited, who have been patient, who have suffered at the hands of Ohio State and others, who have watched Jim Harbaugh lose so many games against top 10 opponents to be able to not just beat up on Ohio State, but to run it back and say, no, we're one of the four best teams, one of the top two teams in the country, and now they have an opportunity to win a national championship with the guy that I think could end his career should he win a national championship as one of the three best coaches in Michigan history. He might fight me on that, but that's what I think. And number three, we have Georgia, who we'll get to find out a lot about. Are they reeling off of this loss from Alabama? Because I, you, we had agreed this was the greatest team in college football all season long, and in large part due to that defense. But they were great at attacking just, well, the secondary in particular, but the middle of the field against Kirby Smart and Dan Lanning. Dan Lanning, who I thought was coming into his own 
as a play caller and with those studs that they had all over the defense. And yet, you couldn't get what you needed out of Stetson Bennett. You couldn't get what you needed out of James Cook. You got George Pickett back. It was not enough to get you past that hump that is Alabama. It's the kind of hurdle that you think could plague them going into this. Because, yes, we could end up with yet another SEC title game. But not if Georgia's playing the kind of football that they played against Alabama. They're going to get a tough challenge against Michigan in the Orange Bowl. I'm excited for that one because I feel, once again, like this is old school football, right? And by old school, I mean the late 90s into the early 2000s where you're powered by your run game where your offensive linemen are doing most of the work in the run block, and your defenses are not afraid to line up and go straight at your chest to say, no, 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 we know what you're in, and we're going to be aggressive. We're going to blitz you. We're going to come off the edges. We're going to see if you can beat us doing something that we're going to take away from you. What are you going to take away from Michigan? You're going to try to take away Hassan Haskins and make Cade McNamara throw the football? Sure you are. But has that worked for the majority of the teams later in this season? And for the folks that want to evaluate teams from week to week as opposed to what did they do over the course of a season, this is going to be an interesting year to look at because if we're looking at what Michigan is, nobody would have seen this from them to start the season. And yet they won this game last night against Iowa in much the same way that they won the game against Washington. The difference is Washington is not that good, right? We'll leave it there. And we all thought that Iowa was a better football team. Perhaps not a world-beating football team, but still the number 13 team in the country at the time that they played the Big Ten Championship game. And yet, it felt like a home game. It felt like Iowa was just overmatched from the jump. And this feels like a Michigan team that could be a team of destiny. We'll find out. The team of destiny, though, is the Cincinnati Bearcats. Now, we're hearing a lot of conversation about the glass ceiling and this idea that the College Football Playoff Selection Committee would never put in a group of five team. Well, that's because they hadn't. Cincinnati forced this. Do you know how Cincinnati forced this? By going 13-0 and and being the only doggone program of 130 in the FBS to do so. They had to do what nobody else has had to do to get into the College Football Playoff this year. Be undefeated and have a demonstrative win in the conference championship against Houston, and have a resounding win against Notre Dame, team we'll talk about here in a little bit, where we have this head-to-head that you normally don't have for a group of five program because that's usually a pay game. It's usually a game that you're paying to lose. And yet this year where things are coming together in just the right moment, at just the right time, you've got Desmond Ritter, you've got Sauce Gardner, you've got Jerome Ford, and there you go. To go into Notre Dame on the road and get yourself a true road victory against a team that we all know is good and deserved every opportunity to try to get in the playoff if things broke their way. I'm tremendously happy for the American. I'm happy for Cincinnati. I'm really excited to see if Cincinnati can give Alabama the kind of game that would lead more folks to believe that the group of five plays a little bit of football down there because the thing that we're already looking at Is Alabama going to just destroy a Cincinnati team that shouldn't be there? Traditionally, that four spot has not been a great spot to be in. It's felt like we've had three teams that we all considered good and then one team that we had to fill in the spot. Perhaps Cincy can turn that on its head. If for no other reason than last year in the Peach Bowl, they played a very good Georgia football team, took them all the way to the wire, and JT Daniels need to engineer a drive to win that game and the Peach Bowl in Georgia's backyard. This season... 
perhaps Desmond Ritter and Jerome Ford and Sauce Gardner believe they can win that game in a way that maybe they didn't think last year. And if they can, my goodness, wouldn't it be a story for Cincinnati to make the national championship with Luke Fickle just flipping that program into one in which you have to evaluate as one that can win a national championship? I'm really excited to see Luke Fickle against Nick Saban, two defensive-minded coaches, two guys that are going to take this build up to this college football playoff semifinal on December 31st, (laughs) just to the brink. And if you're Cincinnati, don't leave anything out, man. This is what you live for. You have an opportunity that so many teams outside the Power Five have never had and would love to, and how they acquit themselves is probably going to influence whether or not we see another Cooper 5 team get into this playoff for as long as we have this format because we know that it feels like we're not going to expand anytime soon, especially as this is the year in which we got some new blood, right? Of these four teams, we have two that have not played in the college football playoff before, and that I think is progress. I also think it is a way in which we're looking at the sport and going, okay, can you play or can you not? And if you can play, I think by the end, this will find its way and it will sort itself out. Now, at five and six, some interesting notes here, okay? So at number five, we've got Notre Dame, whose head coach, obviously, jumped into the portal, came out at LSU with a 10-year, $95 million contract, and then left a vacancy that I thought was the easiest to fill of all the big-time jobs because you had the guy right there in-house. You go with Marcus Freeman, who at 35 becomes the head coach at Notre Dame, who's got tremendous pedigree, who has wanted a head coaching job, looked at the LSU defensive coordinator job, looked at the Notre Dame defensive coordinator job, and decided he had a better opportunity to be a head coach if he took the job at Notre Dame. Got off to a rocky start with a KG win against Florida State, and they took the loss to Cincinnati, but they kept on playing. And now there are 11 wins in, one loss. They have an opportunity to play in a New Year's Six Bowl, and Marcus Freeman has an opportunity to get a win for the first time in his career as a head coach in a New Year's Six Bowl. It's quite honestly fantastic. Had Cincinnati or Michigan lost, or even Alabama, we're probably talking about Notre Dame getting into the college football playoff once again. As it is, we got the young guns. We got the U-Firm. Marcus Freeman, Tommy Reese running the show. I'm excited for what Notre Dame could be going forward. My favorite Notre Dame football team, 2002, Tyrone Willingham, Carlisle Holiday, Arnez Battle, Shane Walton. You had some dudes is what I'm saying. And now it feels like this is a Notre Dame team that we all can sort of root for and get behind because of how those players have embraced Marcus Freeman. The phrase players coach gets thrown around a lot by myself, but if you've seen video of how those kids really embrace Marcus Freeman walking in in his suit, you understand they wanted him to have this job. They're excited to play for him, and they get an opportunity to show not just what it is for them to be led by Marcus Freeman, but what Brian Kelly had given up so that he could be the head coach at LSU. Now, at number six, I think we got a little bit of controversy here. Ohio State, two-loss team, no conference championship. Very good offensive team that got the shackles put on it by this Michigan team that is playing in the college football playoff and obviously took a loss at the shoe to an Oregon team that got doubled up by Utah demonstratively, right? I think this is a controversial spot here because Baylor won a Big 12 championship yesterday, okay? Now, it took an inch for them to miss 
getting that Big 12 championship. Desmond Jackson diving toward the pylon, trying to do his best Michael Penix impersonation. Came up just that much short in a game that was wild and all offsides. But shouts to Baylor and Dave Aranda for winning the Big 12 championship. But also for getting 11 wins, right? Two losses. If you do the blind resume test with Ohio State and Baylor, you would tell me that Baylor's the better football team because they won a Big 12 championship. And what the committee is telling us is that a Big 12 championship 11-win Baylor team is not as good as a 10-win Big East runner-up. I just got got an issue with that. Now, Ohio State gets to try to show RJ and the rest of the world, quite honestly, that they deserve that sixth spot when they play in the Rose Bowl against Utah, or so we think, right? And I'm excited for that game because Buckeyes versus the Utes, Kyle Whittingham is going to try to put the shackles on them once again. We know that they can play outstanding defense. We know that they want to run the ball, and Cam Rising seems to be coming into his own. But for me, knowing that you got the dude from Cam in Cam Rising who had bounced around, started out, committed to OU, ends up at Texas, transfers to Utah against the rising star that is C.J. Stroud, that's a really sexy game for me. Jackson Smith and Jigba, Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson. We'll see how many of those guys play in the bowl game because they're all draft eligible, and we have entered this phase where we're going to hear about more opt-outs. I'm sure that Ohio State fans believe that playing for Rose Bowl is a good reason to stay in, and we'll see how Olave, Wilson, and Smith and Jigba feel about that. But if nothing else, you're going to have C.J. Stroud and Travion Henderson in that backfield, and then that defense gets an opportunity to try to shore itself up because that, I think, was the real worry for Buckeyes fans watching the Michigan game because the offense was doing what it was supposed to do. It's that the defense could not stop the run and was getting eaten up on the edges as on the other side, Aiden Hutchinson and David Jabu were getting home and making life difficult for one C.J. Stroud. Baylor will have something to prove here as I expect them to try to go out there in the Sugar Bowl and show that they are one of the six best teams in college football. Very, very excited to see what this bowl slate looks like. I'm extremely excited to see how these New Year's six-day bowl games play out. But also, who's going to come out as a national champion here, right? When I asked Braylon Edwards and Devin Gardner if Michigan could win a national championship, they hesitated for a little bit, but they came through, right? They believe in their guys. But if you are one of these three teams playing in the college football playoff, you don't want no part of Michigan. They understand who they are right now. They have a belief that I don't know that anybody else in the sport can claim after the two resounding wins that they had to get in to the playoff after starting the season unranked. Okay, so earlier this morning, we got reports that it could happen. Brent Venables could be, hypothetically, next head coach at the University of Oklahoma. You'll know that since Lincoln Riley decided to leave the University of Oklahoma to become the new head coach at USC, I have said my number one candidate has to be Brent Venables. And the reason that is, is one, he has an affinity and experience with the school. Two, he knows what it means to win a national championship at Oklahoma and has since won two as the defensive coordinator at Clemson. Three, he understands Oklahomans and what it means to be a Sooner. As a matter of fact, when he was entertaining the job at Clemson in 2012, 
he had to really think about where he was leaving. And he said as much because for him, Oklahoma is not a stepping stone job. It's not one you just get up and leave. But the reason that he chose to take the job at Clemson is he wanted to evolve. He wanted to get better as a football coach, as a defensive coordinator. And since 2012, I don't know that you could say there has been a better defensive coordinator in the sport. And Clemson has acted like it, right? He is a valued asset to everything that Dabo Sweeney has built. And they signed him to an extension, paying him an annual salary of $2.5 million to make him the highest paid assistant coach in football just in July. So it's not as if he's underappreciated where he is. But I think if he does choose to take the job at Oklahoma, it would be because, once again, he's pushing himself to evolve. He understands the challenge that it would be to be the head coach at the University of Oklahoma and what it would mean to fans, to media, to athletic director Joe Castiglione, who he has a relationship with, to try to pick up that mantle at a time when it feels like Oklahoma could go either way. It could be awesome or it could go into a tailspin. It could be the start of something new, like when Bob Stoops was hired in 1998 and then two years later, 13-0 national championship and a run unlike many others over the next 20-plus years. Or it could be Nebraska in the Big Ten. It could go either way. But for me, I understand why you would want a Brent Venables, and, and it's not just because of his coaching prowess, right? For me, it's you got a hard-nosed guy. You got an energetic guy. You got a man who really wants to win, who's got his very own get back coach on the sidelines. As a matter of fact, did a show long time ago, I want to say about three years ago, Rufus Alexander, former linebacker at the University of Oklahoma, I was asking him to outline for me what he means when, you know, his coaches are a little offsides. Because at the time he's coached by Mike Stoops and Brent Venables. He said, look, Venables is not just enthusiastic and ecstatic and always loud and yelling because that's who he is, but he's also maniacal when it comes to precision. And if he tells you to line up on that blade of grass, line up on that blade of grass, not just because he's going to yell at you until you do, but because that's usually the difference between you making the tackle and you not making the tackle because Brent has studied the film in such a way as to understand exactly where his players need to be to maximize their talents. He's also an extremely good evaluator of talents. Matter of fact, going into the 2016 cycle, just a week before National Signing Day, they had a need at defensive back Clemson. And Venables had heard word of this kid in Kansas who's 6'4", 205, but had been evaluated by some Big Ten programs as a wide receiver and by others as a safety. And yet, okay, cool, it is worth me making it out to Olathe, Kansas, to try to take a look at Isaiah Simmons. At the time, Isaiah Simmons was courting Kansas State and Kansas. But until Brent Venables saw him, was able to wrap his arms around him, he couldn't believe the kind of jewel he had with natural ability because you can't teach him to be big, you can't teach him to be fast, you can't teach him to be strong. But you can teach everything else. And he took a three-star, 330th overall recruit, number 25 safety in the country, and flipped him into a destroyer of worlds. Isaiah Simmons can line up on the edge. He can be an inside linebacker. He can be a slot corner. He can play both safety positions because that is the kind of coach Brent Venables is if he knows what he has in raw material. And I think at a place like Oklahoma, you have to be really great at evaluating talent because you're always going to be able to recruit inside the top 10 
even into the top five on occasion. But you need to be able to hit on those three-star athletes as much as you hit on those five-star athletes if you're going to search for national championships. And that's what Oklahoma's about. Oklahoma's not just about winning 10 games. Oklahoma's about winning national championships because we're talking about a coach that decided he wanted to go to USC after winning 10 games, ending the season on a loss. And that's how it feels at Oklahoma. A 10-win season feels like 8-5, and five, right? It feels like 8-4. and four. And yet, Brent Venables is going to walk into that if he chooses to take the job. And I'm excited for it because you want a man who understands the challenge of being head coach at a place like Oklahoma or even a place like Notre Dame for Marcus Freeman. We're really getting into some very cool parts of the college football coach at Carousel, and I'm excited for what the sport can be in the future and what it looks like for us even presently as in just over three weeks' time we're going to crown a national champion. All right, that is going to do it. For me here in Indianapolis, thank you to our intrepid producer, Catherine Donnelly. It's John Hill on the camera. John Marcus is our director. <laughs> Javion Duncan's been just hammering social all year. Rachel Cohn is our lead of screening. Man, Tyler Wojak has been just an absolute godsend for us. I'm so excited to do this show. I'm so excited about how this season has gone. And we're getting into the postseason. It's going to be a lot of fun for all of my friends who have helped put this go together. I've got to know. Thank you so much for being here. Let us know what you think. All right, that's it for me. Doses.